This is Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard of Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Welcome, everyone, to another show of Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. The topic for today's show is called Protecting the Surviving Spouse. This is a little addressed financial situation that you know a lot of people don't consider until it's too late. So we're going to talk about why it's important to protect the surviving spouse and some beneficial ways to help ensure that your spouse is financially protected when you're no longer there to help. At this time, I would like to welcome to our show our co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. How are you doing today, Tony? Oh, Baron, I am so excited to be here. And I, I'm really interested in this topic because obviously I don't want to leave my wife and children in a bad situation. And I want to make sure that if I pass away or if she passes away before me, uh, we have everything in order. So we're able to, you know, uh, help our family and still live comfortably even after that income is gone, uh, when a spouse uh, passes. A lot of people don't like to talk about this, but I am I think it's important that we do. So I'm glad you brought this up, Baron. But yeah, I've had a crazy busy week. Uh, how are you guys doing? Simon, what have you been up to? I'm doing well, Tony. Thanks for asking. Got a couple of projects here planning to work on over the weekend. And as I said, I think it'll be an interesting topic. I think it's one that, uh, you know, Everybody wants that more or less. You know, they want their spouse if something happens to them to be protected. But like you said, it's not something everybody likes to talk about. So it often people don't follow through, it seems. So it'll be a good topic to kind of get people motivated to kind of give that some consideration and some thought moving forward. Sure. I mean, I always joke that my wife is trying to kill me for the insurance money. <laughs> um, I like to tease her about that. But she is funny. Uh, she told in me all she seriousness, was. you do want to make sure. Uh, that you have plans in place and have, uh, you know, some things in place to help with this. So to start us off, though, Simon, what's the probability of somebody living longer than their spouse? Obviously, one is going to live longer than the other. Yeah, that's a good question, Tony. And uh, that does give me some insight into why your wife keeps asking me those strange questions about, you know, things you should not shouldn't eat, allergy, allergies, that type of thing. So, yeah. And now I understand a little bit better, but okay. Sure, sure. Um, I promise I didn't tell her how much the life insurance was we set up on you, but uh, somehow she figured it out, it seems. Yeah. So anyway, back to your real question. Um, you know, there was a study that was done called Key Findings and Issues uh, About Longevity. It's for uh, couples age 65 and older. They said that there's a couple sets that came out. One, that there's a 72% chance that one of the spouses will live to age 85, which is beyond life expectancy, standard life expectancy. There's a 45% chance that one of them, couple age 65, would live past age 90. And there's an 18% chance that one will live to be age 95 or later. 
So pretty good odds, you know, of living longer than the average life expectancy in some of those ages that we consider, you know, so longevity in general, you know, um, as you can tell from those numbers, you know, longer life expectancy is not something to be ignored, but rather planned for and kept in mind, you know, even more specifically is a stat that we had talked about in some of our recent seminars that says 80% of women outlive their husbands which I don't think should be too surprising, you know, considering most of us are aware that women outlive men. But the staggering part that we learned about was that it was by an average of 18 years. That's right. On average, as Barron's pointing out and is giving me the thumbs up, the average woman outlives their spouse by 14 years. Wow. Now that should be an eye opener and it's definitely worth addressing in your retirement planning, you know, and it's worth addressing because we want to know that you know, the loss of a spouse, if that were to affect, you know, their standard of living over such a long period of time is something that we've planned for and protected against. Yeah. Well, you know, Baron, what do you think of what Simon says? I mean, we do frequently hear wives usually outlive their husbands. Do you think that's typically the case? Um, Yeah, actually it is, Tony. Women do tend to outlive their husbands. You know, some women may face unique challenges in retirement because of this, and not all of them are prepared for it. Um, According to a report done by ARP, more than 70% of retirees living in poverty are women, and over half of them were not poor before their husband passed away, you know, which is a pretty alarming stat. When a married person passes away, their surviving spouse will typically have to live on a reduced Social Security benefit. The surviving spouse will get whichever benefit was the higher of the two. So the income now is going to be less. Women typically outlive, as Simon said, their spouse by an average of over 14 years, which is a really a, a pretty shocking stat. Yeah. My wife my wife is eight years younger than I am, so there's a very good chance that she's going to be around a, a, at least a good 10 to 15 years after I'm gone. Yeah. So I want to try to protect her as much as possible. Um, several things, you know, that I'm doing, maximizing Social Security, um, as well as I've gotten uh, uh, an income rider on an annuity that'll act just like a pension for her. So it's really, really important to protect the surviving spouse. Well, yeah. And Baron, you mentioned a couple there, but uh, Simon, do you have some other ways uh, that uh, you can help people that you and Baron help people prepare for the loss of a spouse? Well, Tony, you know, I think first we encourage them to take an inventory of physical and non-physical items. You know, make a list of items in the home of value, jewelry, power tools, computers, guns, collectibles, you know, make a list of the non-physical items such as brokerage statements, 401ks, IRA assets, bank accounts, life insurance, long-term care policies, uh, annuities, things along those lines. You want to make sure that, you know, both parties, both spouses are aware of these household assets and their values, you know, especially the tangible ones and any personal thoughts about, you know, what that spouse is in that spouse's intentions are for, you know, what happens to them once they're passed on, you know, those collectible items that the other one may not be aware of as much of their thoughts along those lines. In another step is making sure that our clients know about the benefits available to them from the social security administration. There's some unique strategies and things to consider here. Um, There's lump sum benefits uh, or monthly benefits that may be payable to a spouse or a surviving child. Um, know the information uh, on your spouse's employer, you know, approximate earnings for the last two years, 
And if there's any healthcare benefits that can carry on or pass over to the surviving spouse, along with any company sponsored life insurance, you know, also be aware of where local, uh, you know, where the local tax returns are, marriage certificates, social security numbers for the spouses and children, if that's something you don't know offhand, you know, and lastly, uh, I think it's also good from time to time to review IRA, bank accounts, retirement accounts, 401ks, uh, those types of things for updated beneficiary information. You know, some of us forget about that as time goes by. That's but that's something that's important to revisit. You know, wills may not ensure that your assets are passed to the loved ones. In some cases, beneficiary designations on things like retirement accounts or annuities, those supersede the will and verifying them and that they'll get to the where they uh, are that you know get to where you want them to go. You know, will ensure that the assets uh, get where they're intended by making sure that those beneficiary designations are up to date. Uh, bank accounts, CDs, individual brokerage accounts are susceptible to probate. You know, if they're non-retirement assets and not annuities, so you should be aware what that means, and more so, you know, that your advisor does and can make can address those types of things to help cut out needless costs and expenses, you know, associated with probate probate and make, you know, that transition as easy as possible for the loved ones. You know, without this feature, your assets will pass through the probate and cause more issues for the uh, beneficiaries, families, court costs and things like that, that'll eat into those. So, you know, clearly a lot to be aware of and plan for Tony, but it does make uh, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You know, you just need to have a plan in place and somebody to work with that is aware of those types of things. Excellent. I mean, this is good information. So Baron, what other steps do you encourage our listeners to take before the loss of their spouse? Well, there's a couple more steps that we like to encourage people to take. If your spouse is a veteran, uh, government life insurance and or veterans benefits may be available to you. Uh, it's good to verify if there are. Uh, another is to initiate important estate planning documents. At the very least, everyone should have a will, a power of attorney, and um, either a trust or a guardianship for any minor children. You know, once your estate planning documents are finalized, then you need to select an administrator, you know, um, an executor. This should be someone that's responsible for following the rules of your will in the event of your death. You should think about how death would impact the decision-making ability of that person. You know, a lot of people think that maybe perhaps they'll just name the oldest child as the executor when that may not necessarily be the best thing. I always say that the best person to be the executor of your estate is really the one that handles emotions best. Um, you know, once you've selected who the executor is, send copies of the estate planning documents to, uh, to the estate administrator. Lastly, and importantly, as Simon just touched base on, it's really good to select a financial planner in which you and your spouse are comfortable with. This should be someone that you trust, you know, to be with you for the decisions you'll make for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think you make a good point there. Uh, you really need to work with a financial professional to help you with these strategies to make sure uh, it's going to be there and you're not leaving somebody in a bad situation after you're passing. Now, our time is just about up for this segment. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we take a quick commercial break here? Well, Tony, you know, preparing for the loss of a spouse can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. You know, the important, most important fact, I think, is planning ahead and addressing some of these concerns before that, that situation arises. You know, 
if you're not sure, if the listeners aren't sure if they have some of those things addressed or they're not sure how to go about it or they want to start getting some of those factors in line, they're welcome to reach out to us. Uh, they can get us on the web here, find out more, more about us at wellingtonadams.com or reach us by phone at 855-793-2409. We have some good tools like the Retirement Income Toolkit to help kind of get that ball rolling and get those thoughts uh, organized and outlined. Again, that's 855-793-2409. All right, and listeners, stay tuned to learn more about ways to protect the surviving spouse with our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard, right after this. Do you feel like you need help navigating your retirement? Retirement can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. With our Retirement Income Toolkit, you can get the information you need to help secure your retirement. This toolkit provides valuable information on income planning, asset allocation, tax planning, legacy planning, and more. Receive your Retirement Toolkit from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory by visiting wellingtonadams.com or by calling us at 855-793-2409. And now back to Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Welcome back, everyone, to Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory and our co-host, Tony Shore. We've been talking about today how to protect the surviving spouse in the event that one passes away. Um, a couple of topics that we've covered are the probability of someone living longer than their spouse and that the majority of wives outlive their husbands and also how people can prepare for the loss of their spouse. Well, and thanks for that recap, Baron. It has been a good discussion so far. And as you mentioned in that last segment, you were talking about what we can do to prepare before the loss of a spouse. Uh, what are some ways for us to prepare after the passing of a spouse? Things we might need to do uh, after our spouse passes. Well, that's a great follow-up question, Tony. Um, you know, when the loss of a spouse occurs, there can be a whirlwind of emotions and decisions that need to be made. And the last thing you want to do is worry about your finances. You know, the first thing a person should do after a devastating loss of a spouse is to take some time to grieve, you know, step back, reevaluate their circumstances and not make any rash or hasty decisions. There's plenty of information out there showing the fact that this is one of the most common times for spendthrift tendencies and poor financial decisions. And let's face it, it's an emotional time and everyone handles such things differently. But, you know, it brings it into question your own mortality, you know, your own longevity, uh, lowers your guard for wise and prudential dis- prudent, excuse me, wise and prudent decision making, potentially. So you know you got to keep that in mind as well, not to get too caught up from that standpoint and how the emotions might affect you. This is where a good sound relationship, you know, with a financial advisor will help. You know, first you would already have a plan for this situation and have addressed many of the financial concerns that would come up, and you can be confident in the guidance that they're going to give you in the situation moving forward. Also. There will have been, you know, the awareness and mindset to remind you to update important things like new beneficiary forms, healthcare directives, and the like. You know, of course, it's going to be a difficult time, Tony, no matter what. But the more you can address ahead of time, as we discussed in the first segment, the easier it'll be. You know, allowing you to spend time with focusing on your family um, and your own well-being through that circumstance. Yeah, thanks, Simon. That that's some good information. 
Now, Baron, what are some other ways that we can prepare after the devastating loss of a spouse? Well, another way to prepare is to, you have to consolidate your financial records. So you have to get together, you know, all of the contact information, the account numbers, social security numbers, passwords, um, maiden names, secret keys or passcodes to accessing online information. Also, you should consult a financial advisor to ensure your assets are structured to pass the maximum amount of legacy to your heirs. You don't want to have stuff going to the attorneys and through probate. You really would rather it obviously go to your loved ones. As the only living parent at that point, your death will trigger the benefits to primary and contingent beneficiaries. So you don't want to miss out on opportunities that will be gone once you've passed. Lastly, it's always good to update your travel information. If you're going to be traveling away from home, you should always make sure to take important information with you, uh, including a copy of your health information, uh, any medicines you take, as well as contact information for family members. Yeah, and, and this is very insightful, great information. I mean, knowing how we need to prepare before and after the loss of a spouse, that's something I, I think it's often overlooked and people don't deal with it or plan ahead. So how does the loss of a spouse affect a couple social security benefit then? Well, it's certainly another good point to address. According to the Social Security Administration, the earliest a surviving spouse can start uh, receiving a social security benefit is at age 60. And it's depending on the situation, uh, but they're surviving spousal benefits that can be up to 100% of the benefit received by the deceased spouse. But you need to be aware that if the surviving spouse claims a benefit at an earlier age, the benefits are reduced for each month before the full retirement age. You should be aware that there may be spousal planning strategies that will exist in some cases where if a surviving spouse qualifies for their own benefit, that is more than their survivorship benefit, they can switch over to that benefit of their own retirement as early as 62 or as late as age 70, kind of delaying and get some additional growth along the way. But the rules for this are going to vary depending on the spouse's specific situation. So determining when you should claim your social security benefit is very helpful in order to make sure that you're maximizing what you're receiving back from social security based on what you and your spouse had paid in. It's important to consult with a financial professional, you know, on this type of thing, uh, who's knowledgeable and who has the resources to help you weigh all the options when deciding the best time to claim your benefit. Cause it can be a big difference from one uh, choice to another. Wow. Yeah. I, I would imagine <laughs> that it would be a big difference. Now, uh, Baron, maybe you could give us an example of how the loss of a spouse could financially affect that surviving spouse's social security benefit. Well, okay, let's just use an example. We have a couple whose names are George and Mary, all right? And let's say upon the death of either George or Mary, what will happen is their annual social security benefit is going to be reduced. In this case, we'll say from $46,000 to $28,000. As if you remember, you lose the one spouse's, uh, the lesser of the two benefits from the Social Security benefit. So this is going to create now a lifetime reduction of $18,000 per year. You know, that can really significantly impact that person's standard of living. So as mentioned earlier, knowing when you plan on claiming your Social Security benefit um, can really play a significant role when a spouse passes away. 
Well, yeah, and I've heard that another way to protect that surviving spouse is to have your personal documents in order. You guys had mentioned that briefly. Explain what that means and how that might be beneficial, Simon. Well, Tony, it's very important to have your personal documents in order. You know, to start, you know, we encourage our clients and prospects that we're working with to make sure that their important documents are organized and manageable. Far too often, you know, it seems that it's something that can be overlooked. You know, it can be very overwhelming in some cases, it seems, because most people have a large number of important documents that they have to keep track of. And it's clearly not something that we want to think about when it comes to these type of topics. Now, it simply helps to begin by making a list, you know, but before um, you can properly manage all these important documents, you should first know exactly what type of documents that are important that you have and, you know, apply to your particular circumstance. It may seem like common sense, but depending on uh, if you own your own home or what type of investments that you have, you may have more things to keep track of than you're aware. You know, oftentimes uh, it's only comes tax season, you know, when that rolls around and uh, we make moves in relation to that type of things uh, or we move physically to a new location or the death of a family occurs that we really start to pay attention to those types of essential documents and what they apply to and where we have them. You know, the types of documents that you want to manage uh, could be broken down into a few categories, legal papers, financial documents and account statements and personal directives. You know, legal papers would include things like your wills, the deeds of property, trust documents, birth certificates, vehicle titles, medical powers of attorney, you know, financial documents and account statements are more readily understandable, you know, and would include things like annuities or life insurance policies, health insurance policies, CDs, IRAs, financial powers of attorney are a big one and important one to have in place. Stocks and bond certificates, especially old uh, individual bond certificates often get overlooked. You know, with things like personal directives, you're outlining where, uh, you want to direct personal items or your intentions for those items, uh, funeral plans and insights of things that you might want to have addressed or a specific song uh, sung during the ceremony, family heir- heirlooms that should pass to a specific uh, beneficiary, uh, things like guns or coin collections and so forth that you know the spouse may not be aware of or you have a specific intention or goal for those items. It's also very important to keep a summary of what you have and where it is. You know, for our clients, we give them an organize, organizational binder for all their financial documents when we set up their accounts. We also provide to them uh, something called the From the Heart Journal, which is an organizational tool uh, helping them to address the areas that we just discussed and make sure uh, that things don't get overlooked or forgotten about. You know, the reality is, Tony, while it sounds like a lot, it will take relatively little time and you'll save a tremendous amount of worry. You know, and when you need something, which you will, you know, you'll know exactly where it is and how to get a hold of it. Wow. Well, yeah, and that's key. So after we've organized all of our documents, Baron, what's the next step? Well, in the preparation process, it's good to not only have your documents collected and organized, but it's also good to have them easily accessible. In addition to creating a summary of your documents, it's good to record where you keep them. Um, It's very important to have your documents in a central location that's easily accessible to those you trust to have access. So some popular places 
that people keep their documents are. Now, a lot of people think that, you know, the safe deposit box is a great place to keep them. Um, problem with that is, is that when the spouse passes away, the box freezes up so it can create some time uh, to get into that box. So some other options may be uh, a home safety box. The safety box that you keep at home should be fireproof. Um, it should be lockable and also light enough for you to carry. This is a good place to keep either originals or copies of things that you might need immediate access to. Uh, it's also a good choice for records that should be updated frequently, um, that could be replaced if necessary, or that are just too bulky to store in a safe deposit box. Another good place um, to make sure that your documents are stored would be with an attorney. If an attorney has prepared legal documents for you, he or she will typically uh, keep a set of originals. You may also be able to have your attorney keep your funeral or other instructions um, on file and your second safe deposit box key if that's your preference. Also, another source would be a trusted individual. Um, you know, someone that you trust and with all of your stuff, keeping copies of important papers with a trusted person who does not live close to you is a good way to avoid having all your records uh, being affected by, say, you know, a regional disaster. Bear in mind, however, that you will not have immediate access to anything kept with them. Um, lastly, another good place, especially now with times as they are, is online or digital storage. Technology now provides some excellent tools for safeguarding your important documents. It also just makes it easier to access your records when you need them and are, you know, they're more convenient to update them. We actually have an online portal available to all of our clients called Generational Vault, which allows them to store all of their important documents all in one place with the same security as banks have and it can be accessed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So a lot of people really like that uh, online tool that we provide for all of our clients. Yeah, I think that's great. Now, Baron, we're out of time. Simon and Baron, we're out of time for the show today. Uh, Baron, is there anything you want to add for our listeners? Let them know how to get a hold of you before we go. Well, um, Basically, just, uh, you know, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us at our website or give us a call at our office. We'd be happy to sit down and meet with you to go over all of these things that we've discussed in the show. You know, it is really very, very important, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, to protect the surviving spouse. Um, um, you know, you can also utilize on our website the uh, retirement toolkit. We have a lot of things available for you. So it's dedicated to providing with information that's going to make sound, you know, help you make sound decisions on building a retirement that's on a solid foundation that's going to stand the test of time. So if you have any questions about today's show, you know, again, please don't hesitate to reach out to us online at wellingtonadams.com or give us a call at 855-793-2409. And join us same time, same place next week for another show of Financially Tuned. Take care and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com. 
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.